officially here. Look at this good-looking group of people. Tyler has obviously been on my fitness plan. It's working, dude. You look good. So, um, but uh, hey, we are doing something over the next two weeks here at Sub 30 uh, that we have never done before, and it's obviously called Five for Five. And uh, you've seen us doing three minutes of fire. Does anybody love three minutes of fire? It's like, We've been doing it on, look, I'm here, I'm here to tell you, Three Minutes of Fire was going so well at Sub 30 and Riot, we're doing it on weekend services. Like our Sunday morning services across Celebration do, do Three Minutes of Fire because it's just awesome. It's revolutionized our church. And so, um, started right here. You were a part of it. You saw it first. So, uh, but man, there's just so many uh, communicators in our church, man, and people who God has put on them just uh, a gift to preach and teach and communicate the word. And so we just kind of were sitting around thinking, man, we want to create more opportunity for this. What, what can we do? And we just thought, man, this could be a fun summer thing to do. Let's just give 10 people over the span of two weeks an opportunity to put a word together and share it. And uh, I guarantee you in the 10 people that are going to communicate over the next two weeks, there's going to be a variety of um, styles. Some people are going to be just straight preachers. Some people are going to be more teachers of the word, but I guarantee you they have all labored and prayed and thought over this word that they're going to deposit into the Sub 30 family. I'm super excited. I want us for tonight and next week, man, I want us to be the most responsive crowd. If you are new to Sub 30, we are a lively bunch. We respond to the word of God. We love the Word of God. We get behind the Word of God, and that's what it's going to be like. And so I'm excited, and I've heard my boy Tyler is about to kick it off five for five. Put your hands together. Stand to your feet. Come on, let's get this thing started. Sub 30, how we feeling tonight? Yeah. Y'all can sit down. Y'all can sit down. I'm not that special. Hey, before we do anything else and move on with this night, I have to take this moment, man, and just honor and thank our pastor, Pastor Clay. Uh, man, he's the man. Yeah, absolutely. Man, Pastor Clay, just thank you so much for myself and behalf of everybody else up here with me tonight for this opportunity and just entrusting this platform to us, man. We're so thankful just to be under your leadership as well as everybody else in this ministry, man. Uh, your vision for this ministry and just the young adults across Jacksonville, man. Just, it's unreal, man. It's amazing. So you sub 30, give Pastor Clay some love, him and his wife, Bethany, up here in the front row. Awesome. Well, hey, so we get the awesome opportunity, me and my four friends back here, to kick off this five for five series. As Pastor Clay was saying, five speakers for five minutes over a two-week span, total of 10 communicators. It's going to be awesome. And, and as we were kind of preparing and, and thinking of, of the topic or center uh, of topic conversation we want to have tonight uh, and share with you all, we, we landed on the topic of miracles, Come on, somebody. You know it's going to be a good night in church talking about miracles. And so we were just talking through miracles and what that looks like. And so tonight, the five of us, we're just going to kind of attack it from multiple different ways, bring different things to the table and share with you. And, and as we were thinking through miracles and what those look like to us as believers today and what the true meaning of a miracle really is, I came to the realization that, that miracle, the word miracle is just thrown around so much in our modern day culture, I feel like. We've, just, we've, we've almost taken away from the meaning of the true word, what God intended to be miracle. 
miracles. And so tonight, we just hope to take back the true meaning that God intended uh, miracles to be, especially in the life of us as believers. We want to take that back and claim it for our own. And so tonight, we just want to provide you all with some, with some clarity, some truth, maybe some fresh revelation uh, to share with you all tonight just around this topic of miracles. And so it's going to be a fun night. We're excited. You guys ready to kick it off? All right, rock and roll. So I'm going to lead the way just by asking a question. Show of hands, do we have any readers in the crowd? You just like to pick up a good, wow, wow, I'm surprised. Pick up a good book every now and then and just read it. Well, God bless your souls, man. You guys are, you guys are good. You, you guys, you're better than me. I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. I've, I've been trying to, to be more disciplined in the area of reading lately. I've been trying to, to pick up a book and just sharpen myself and my knowledge and, and all these different things. And I have this good buddy of mine, and he's a big reader. Um, and, and he's lately been my, my influence, my motivation to, to try to read more often. And he actually just recently lent me one of his books, and it's called The Circle Maker. Uh, what this book is about, yeah, okay, a couple of people know The Circle Maker. Uh, what this book is about is basically just praying circle circles around your biggest fears, your biggest dreams, the biggest areas in your life that you feel like you need. You just want God to move and you want to see something powerful happen. And this book opens up with a story. It tells the story of, of this man named Honey. It's H-O-N-I, Honey, the guy who lived back in the first century B.C. times. And, and it talks about how during this time, there was a, a severe drought across the whole land, a drought that lasted, lasted over like a year and a half or so. It was, a, it was like Florida on steroids with no rain. I mean, that's, that's miserable. Killing people off, people were—it was bad, and so and so this this drought had gone on for so long that people just lost hope. They just they they just didn't think God were going to bring them any rain, and they they all lost hope. And the, and the book says that everybody had lost hope except for this one man named Honey. And one afternoon, this man he goes out and he draws a circle in in the dirt and stands in the circle and then just begins to pray and cry out to God. And he says he says, Lord of the universe. He says, I swear on your great name that I will not leave this circle until you have shown mercy to your children. And in that moment, after he utters these words, it says the, in the story, it starts to lightly rain. A sprinkle occurs at this moment after he utters these words. And people are excited and cheering. And they haven't seen rain in almost two years. And, and it's, it's a great thing. But Honey, he's not satisfied. He stays in his circle and he cries out to God again for the second time. He says, for these rains I have not asked. For I ask for rains that will fill caves, that will fill, that will fill cisterns, that will fill holes. I ask for rains of abundance. And at that moment, after he utters these words, a torrential downpour began to happen across the lands. A downpour so severe that it says the people started to run back to the temple because they couldn't stand to be, to be in the rain because it was so painful. But still, Honey stood in his circle and he prayed out to God again. He says, for these rains I have not asked, but for rains that represent your love, your grace, and your mercy. And at that moment, the rain lightened up, and it says there was a, a calm, a steady, and a, and, a, and, a, and a graceful rain across all the land. And in this moment, these people experienced a miracle. They experienced this miracle because a man prayed a bold, a faith-filled, and an impossible prayer at, to them at the time. Yeah, give God a hand for that. And so... You experience this miracle, and I love this story because it sets up a model for us as believers. It sets up a model of how we can experience a miracle in our lives, even still today. And it really just boils down to one thing. How faith, how strong are your prayers? How faith-filled are your prayers? You know, I feel like some of us might find ourselves in a drought, in a severe drought like these people in the store. You find yourself in a drought, and you're in desperate need of a miracle in your life. You're in desperate need for God to move in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in your home, in your schools, whatever that looks like for you. You're in desperate 
need for a miracle in you. And you may, maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you find yourself sitting here, you're asking all these questions like how and why and what did I do for this to happen to me? And question after question after question because you're so hopeless. But I wanna ask you a question tonight, sub 30. Have you asked God to perform a miracle in your life lately? Okay, maybe, maybe your answer is yes. If your answer is yes, let me, let me rebuttal with another question. Is have you prayed prayers of power? Have you prayed prayers of faith-filled prayers? Have you prayed impossible prayers that only God himself could accomplish? Have you spoke those miracles? Have you spoken authority into your life over those miracles? Because I feel like sometimes, sub there, I feel like sometimes we, we, we bring ourselves, we go, to, we go before God in prayer, but we forget to bring our faith with us. We forget to bring a faith-filled prayer with us. And, and the thing of the matter, the thing is, is the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So then we must just be saying these faithless prayers for no reason, and there's a reason why we're not getting, we maybe not be, maybe not be getting an answer. It's because our prayers aren't faith-filled, because the thing is, is God honors bold prayers. God is not offended by bold and audacious prayers. God is not offended by you declaring a miracle over your life, or you declaring freedom over your life. God's not offended by these things. He's actually offended of the opposite. He's, a, he's offended by weak and faithless prayers. God loves a bold prayer. God loves a faith-filled prayer. And so what I want to encourage you with tonight, Sub 30, is just understand that whenever you have that boldness in your heart, when you have a desire for a miracle in your life, bring it before God, not just be like, oh, God, please bless my finances. But like, no, God, I declare freedom over my finances. I declare freedom over my household. I declare freedom over these relationships in my life. Because the thing of the matter is, is God honors bold prayers. We want these bold prayers. Is we experience bold miracles when we Pray bold prayers to God. That's, 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 that's what it boils down to. In Psalm, I love it, in Psalm 77, it says, you are the God who performs miracles and you display your power through your people. Hint, hint, sub 30, we are God's people. We are the people that he displays his power through, but when we bring our, it's when we bring our bold prayers before God, it's when we bring our petitions and our prayers and they're faith-filled and they're impossible. The impo God loves the impossible because only he can accomplish the impossible in our lives. And once we realize that, sub 30, we'll begin to see these miracles come true in our lives. We'll begin, we'll begin to see doors open in our lives, sub 30. And, and, and tonight, I want you to know that let your, let your faith rise up. Let those prayers be bold and let those cries out to God be impossible because he loves an impossible prayer. He loves an impossible prayer, sub 30. Y'all give God some praise? Yeah. Hey, y'all help me welcome Mr. Robert Bass up to the stage. Man, I love the subject of miracles. Dang, that was awesome. I gotta follow that? Okay, all right. I love the subject of miracles because in my life, when I think of miracles, I think of what I read in the Bible. You know, like miracles of like parting the seas and miracles of like dead people coming back to life. And I'm like, I don't see that. I don't see that in my life. What I do see is I've experienced a lot of pain. What I do see is I've experienced a lot of problems. And I feel like you can relate to that. I feel like we all experience a lot of different things that we go through. But what if, sub 30, that your miracle is in the middle of your pain? So several years ago, I had the bright idea that I was going to drive my motorcycle from Jacksonville to Mississippi, and I was going to surprise my parents. I know that's a great idea, isn't it? Don't do it. <laughs> and I did. And so about five hours into this trip, because it's an eight-hour trip from Jacksonville to Mississippi, and about five hours into this, stopped at the gas station to get some gas, kind of stretch. And as I go to get back on the interstate, for any of you motorcycle riders, I was gassed into it, going to, to merge onto the interstate. 
And right when I got to merge onto the interstate, my bike slipped out from under me. And I go flipping one, two, three, just over and over across the interstate. And some people, they just black out. No, I remember everything. And I remember thinking like, this is it. This is it. And I went to a crashing halt in the middle of the road and I jumped up and ended up picking up pieces of my bike because that's what I was worried about. And, and so I happened to look down at my knee and my knee was all busted up and I had to go to the hospital and have surgery. And because of this, I had to learn to walk again. And I had to just completely just learn what it's like to be able to go from having a normal day to going through pain. I woke up every morning and I couldn't get out of bed unless I took pain medication. I couldn't even walk. My mom had to come take care of me. Every day I woke up pain, I went to bed pain. I woke up, more bills. I woke up with problems just piling up. And you know what? I got back on my bike and did the same thing. And a year later, I got into another motorcycle accident. The same thing happened again, more pain, more problems. I know I'm smart, more problems <laughs> again. And you know what? Eventually, I learned my lesson. And I said, you know what? There's got to be something better in life. There's got to be. So I started going to church. And I was just going to church, you know, sitting in the back, just kind of observing this whole church thing. And I remember one day the pastor shared a scripture out of Proverbs 1.23. And it said, turn at my rebuke. Turn at my rebuke. And instantly God spoke to me. And he says, your pain has a purpose. Everything that I'd been through in that motorcycle accident had a purpose, but I wasn't listening. I was not paying attention. I was still going out drinking with my friends. I was still trying to find and do what Robert Bass wanted to do. I was still living for me. That scripture goes on to say, turn at my rebuke because I will pour out my spirit upon you. God's saying, I'm gonna wanna pour out my blessings upon you. But you see, you see the first part says turn. And immediately when I just read that, I knew that everything that I'd went through in this motorcycle accident, that God wanted to use, that God wanted to do something in my life. And immediately, immediately, I remembered that this motorcycle accident was a miracle because I began to change. Everything in my life changed. I began to just do just different things than I had done. I'd stopped drinking. I began to hang out with different people. I just began to follow a God first life. I changed everything. And it wasn't because of just this, it was the right thing to do at church. I changed it because my love for God changed. And so, and this is what I found. After going to church and experiencing this accident and this pain and wanting a miracle in my life is I found God's love. It's exactly what I found. But you know what's interesting about it is I found God's love but it was tough love. And I feel like in our life, we focus more on the tough than we do the love. A lot of times we see pain, but we don't see the love that's right there with it. You know, if you know anything about parenting or I remember as a kid, I got beat. <laughs> Cause like I just shared, I learned the hard way. I got so many spankings and my mom would be like, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm the one crying, you know, it's tough love, tough love. But that is what God is doing in our life. Because I guarantee you, sub 30, that your problem has a purpose. 
I guarantee you that in the midst of your problem, that there's a miracle because God would not do something out of just anger. He does it out of love because he cares for you, because he wants to draw you close to him, not to push you away. God loves you so much. So if you want to see a miracle in your life, you know what you got to do? Look through the filter of love because that's what God's doing in your life is love. So let's just give God some praise for the love that he has for us. Let's welcome Shannon. Hi, everyone. So we have two health nuts, big biceps, and now you have me. Hey, I don't go to the gym. I eat fries and pizza. And my, yep, thank you. Okay. But I love the worship at Sub 30. Does anybody else? There, like there is just something different about the worship at Sub 30. Like everybody knows it. Anybody that's ever been here, they always say, the worship at Sub 30 is just different. And you have to come experience it to just even understand. Like words just cannot grasp what happens at Sub 30 worship. And I realized that it's because the presence of God is here and it is tangible. Like we felt it tonight. Everything that happened, that was the tangible presence of God. And as I've been coming to Sub 30 and just attending, being in the presence of God, I've learned a lot about myself and about God, just about like his characteristics and who he is. And I've realized that in the presence of God, that is where miracles happen. And we can't get it twisted because miracles happen in the presence of God. They don't happen standing by the presence of God. Because, like, I've just realized so often, whenever we want a miracle and we're believing God for a miracle, like, we got it. But we, want, we just want the front row seat. We, we just want to kick our feet up. We're just like, God, you got this. But you don't want to do anything. No matter, like, what circumstances are happening in your life, maybe it's in your family, it's in your finances, it might be in a relationship, it might even be within your schooling. You have no idea what classes you're supposed to take, what major you're supposed to choose. And it's kind of messy. It just kind of looks like a bunch of ruins. And within that, we can't just take the front seat and we can't just kick our feet up because that's exactly where the enemy wants us. He wants us to kick our feet up and he wants us to just watch everything play out, but God wants you to seek his presence and seek his face because that is where your faith builds. And then you will take action in your mess. You will take action when your faith builds and you have no idea what you're doing sometimes. It like, you'll just pray these big prayers like Tyler was talking about and you'll start serving people in different ways. And I've noticed that this happens in John 12, in the book of John chapter 12. And this is when Mary comes and anoints Jesus' feet. And within this, Mary has faith. And Mary takes action. But she had no idea what she was even doing it for. She comes into this house. There's this party happening. Everybody's just kind of talking around the table. And she comes in with this expensive oil. And she lays down at Jesus' feet. And she anoints his feet. And that was no place for a woman to be that it just wasn't right. It was, it was disturbing to people from the outside looking in. And then she washes his feet with her hair. And Jewish women never put their hair down. That was disrespectful. So she was doing these, this action 
out of faith and she had no idea what she was doing it for. And later on in the book of John, you see that she anointed Jesus' feet for the very miracle of the resurrection of Christ. It was a mess. Everybody knew that he was going to be taken and that he was going to be, he wasn't going to be there. It even says later, about three verses later, that she was preparing him for his burial. And that was probably messy for everybody, but she knew she had to act on it. And you see there that this faith that she had had her take action. And I think we all need to do that. We all need to seek the presence of God so that our faith can build and so that we can take action, so that we can see our mess turn into a miracle. And some of us are so afraid of messes, but our messes are the very things that can turn into miracles. God wants to use your mess and turn it into a miracle. He wants to use your mess and turn it into a testimony. So be encouraged today. Don't be afraid to seek the presence of God if your life is a mess. Don't be afraid to seek the presence of God if something's just not happening in your life because he wants to build your faith. He wants you to take action and he wants you to seek his face. So don't be afraid. He's got you. So God wants you to seek his face so that he can build your faith so that you can take action and he's got the rest because God does all things for the good of those who love him. And that's, yep, I have no idea how to transition. That was, yeah, okay. <laughs> so now we have Pastor Lindsey Brenner. Thanks, Shannon. Woo, okay. All right, so I'm gonna bring it down a little, a couple notches, all right? So what if the miracle doesn't happen? What if you've been believing God for something for years? You've been praying relentlessly for it. And what if it doesn't happen? What if the opposite happens? And a lot of us in here probably have been in a situation like that before. Maybe you're in it right now. And as humans, we have this, this really weird kind of reflex that when we're faced with a situation like that, we tend to start grasping for answers to try to explain the why this happened. We start trying to rationalize with these sort of spiritually correct answers to help us cope. Like maybe you've said it before, maybe I didn't have the right motives behind my prayer, I didn't have enough faith, or maybe God is doing this so that I have a powerful testimony one day. Or maybe he's trying to protect me from something that I don't know. And the crazy thing is that, you know, a lot of these things maybe even be true someday. But if we were being really honest, that being the reaction or the response to a part of our lives where the thing we've been believing God for not happening, it's really dishonest before God. And so, and, and it's because God can, like, like Shannon said, God can bring good out of any and all situation that's, that you're facing. But that doesn't make infertility good. It doesn't make cancer good. It doesn't make a father that's walked out on his family. That's not good. And God isn't a God that sits up in heaven with his arms folded, looking down, knowing all the things that are going to ultimately come out, the good things that are going to come out from our pain. He's not sitting up there detached. He wants to be there with us on the ground level. And that's because he not only wants to hear from us, he understands those exact emotions that we're going through because he once walked this earth and dealt with those same emotions. 
Jesus was mocked, he was betrayed, he was crucified, all by the people that he loved and walked through life with. Could you imagine, like, the ultimate pain? And as he was at the pinnacle of that pain, he's nailed on a cross. His body is bruised and broken. He's at this moment. He could have taken that opportunity to offer up some sort of spiritual rationalization of why it happened. But you know what he did? He, took, he, he looks to God in that moment and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's honest before God. So he wants us to be honest before him because he knows that when we're in that moment and you've been praying for the healing of your parents and they die, like that's heavy. He wants the honest reaction because he knows although he hasn't forsaken us, he can understand how it could maybe feel like that in that moment. So many of you guys have maybe heard the story of Lazarus in here before. Yeah? Okay. So quick synopsis. Lazarus, he is a good friend of Jesus. He is very sick. His family calls to Jesus to come and heal him. But before Jesus can get there, Lazarus dies. And ultimately, in the end of the story, Jesus gets there. He raises him from the dead. And it's a huge story, an incredible miracle that Jesus performs. And we could talk about that. But I want to take a second to focus on a different part of the story. And that's in John chapter 11, verse 35. Okay, Jesus has now arrived in Bethany. He's walking with Lazarus' friends and families to the tomb of where Lazarus has been buried. He's walking there. And he knows in minutes he's going to raise Lazarus back to life. Okay, so think about that. He's going to go. He's going to raise him back to life. Everything's going to be restored. We're celebrating. Rejoicing is going to occur. He's in this moment. He knows this is going to happen. And he's surrounded with the friends and family that for four days have been grieving over the loss of their family member. And it says in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. So Jesus, knowing the ultimate outcome in a few minutes, feels the exact emotion that the family and friends are going through. He grieves alongside them, knowing the ultimate outcome. And so I don't know about you, but there's something profoundly comforting, knowing that we serve a God who is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's ever-present, knows the beginning and the end, and yet he takes the time to cry alongside of us. He feels... He feels our emotion. He empathizes with us. That's incredible. And so maybe tonight you're wondering, okay, do I still pray? Like I'm saying all this stuff. Do I still pray? And yes, what they've been saying is all true. Boldly approach God. Pray for the miracle. But what I wanted to encourage you with tonight is maybe on this side of eternity, maybe on earth you won't experience that incredible miracle. Know that God is with you. Know that he cries alongside of you and he cannot wait until that day in eternity when there's no more fear and there's no more pain and there's no more death and there's no more sickness or suffering. But until that day, if you don't see the miracle, if your answer, your prayer is not answered, he's with you and he's ready to walk through it with you. He's ready to cry with you even when the miracle doesn't come. All right, so last up, let's give it up for our last speaker of the night, Pastor Leighton German. Come on, Sub 30, how we doing tonight? Everybody doing well? Hey, I asked you a question. How you doing tonight? Come on, can we help thank all the speakers? So amazing, guys. 
Incredible. One more thing. Uh, like Tyler said, Pastor Clay is one of my best friends. Can we give it up for our pastor, Pastor Clay, his wife, Bethany? Uh, I, got a, I got a question for everybody. So as we were kind of just talking about this topic of miracles, you know, my brain began to just run and, and just go through all these different topics. And I started to think through, like, what is the greatest miracle? Have you ever thought about that? What's the greatest miracle that we have maybe seen, heard, or read? And as I began to, to read through and think through this topic of miracles, you know, I thought like what, what Lindsay just talked about. Pastor Lindsay just talked about the miracle of Lazarus. A guy was dead for four days, and, and a word of Jesus come out of the tomb came out. There's people in the, in, in the Bible, you know, a woman with issue of blood, and she's, she has an issue for 12 years, and Jesus heals that issue. You know, maybe for some of you, you would think the greatest miracle would be Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Something similar to that. Or coffee. Coffee, Starbucks, white girls would say Starbucks. I, I was actually thinking about this, Tyler. One of the greatest miracles I think we will ever see in our life is the Jags making the playoffs in the NFL. I believe it's coming soon. God is a good God. He might have taken a little bit like the people in Israel, you know, going to the promised land. It's all right, we're, we're reaching there. Right now we're in the wilderness, but we've been on that mountain way too long, Pastor Clay. We've been on that mountain too long. But when I was thinking about all, all these great miracles, my hair is going to go crazy, don't judge me. I started to think about healings. I started to think about lame people walking, blind people getting their sight, people with leprosy getting healed, but I didn't stop there. And when I think of the greatest miracle that has ever taken place and that will ever take place, it's found in this miracle called salvation. The greatest miracle that you and I will ever see is a miracle called salvation. Because what I believe is that Jesus didn't die to change earthly realities. That is really good. God wants to heal you. God wants you to see. God wants you to get healed of cancer. But your earthly reality is not the end of the miracle. God's much more concerned with eternity than he is with earthly realities. Think about this. Is God just okay with momentary relief? What did he say? I'm not here to give you momentary relief. I'm here to give you everlasting life, eternal life. I see this in the book of Luke found in chapter 17, where these 10 lepers, they're, they're, these 10 lepers, they kind of ostracized, they're ostracized from the community and they're out far away and Jesus is passing by and it says at a distance they yelled out, Jesus, can you heal us? Have mercy on us. And Jesus has this conversations with these 10 lepers and he says, go show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, and that's a whole nother message, as they walked to the preach, it wasn't priest. It wasn't just in the moment of Jesus praying. It was in their motion they found healing. As they went to the priest, it says they were healed. All 10 of them. All 10 of them were healed. Their earthly reality that they had leprosy and they were completely thrown out of a community was changed in a moment. But there was one guy in the story who realized he was healed as he was heading to the priest and he stopped. And he went back to Jesus. And Jesus sees this guy coming back and he says, weren't there 10 of you guys? Were you the only one who received it? Weren't 10 of you healed? But because you turned around 
And because you really wanted the miracle that is of all miracles, the greatest miracle of all salvation, guess what? Your faith has made you whole. In the literal translation, it says your faith has saved you. And I think in this story, we see what God really wants for humanity. God doesn't just want to heal leprosy. God doesn't want to just heal cancer and have blind people see and lame people walk. God wants us to turn around in the minute of our miracle and realize there is so much greater miracle and it's in salvation. And Jesus says, because of your faith, you have been made whole, you have been saved. But what I think, here's what I think. I think that sometimes in our life and a lot of times we're more like the nine lepers than we are the one where we're looking to the miracle more than we're looking to the man of Jesus, where we're looking to the miracle more than we're looking at this message of the gospel. And these nine lepers, they got the healing and they just left. Because what I know, this is the enemy's trap. The enemy doesn't want to just keep you from miracles. He wants to change your outlook of what miracles are. Because the greatest miracle of all time has to do with eternity, not your earthly reality. God didn't just come to give you momentary relief. He says that all of you, every single one of you here, here's what he wants for you. The miracle that Jesus wants for you and he wants for I is a thing called salvation, where it's a gift of God, not of your works. It is by the grace of God and the grace of God alone that through your faith and confession of your mouth, you receive salvation. Like you were dead in your sin. Think about this. You were on a path towards hell. And because Jesus died on a cross, he flipped the script. The greatest miracles are in the unseen. And because the enemy knows that, here's what he's gonna do. Because what you need to know about the enemy is the enemy is the prince of this world and he'll try to affect every miracle he can on this side of heaven. But one thing he can't control is what happens in eternity. And because he can't control the outcome of eternity, here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna control your outlook. And he's gonna have you just be just like the nine lepers and he's not gonna keep you out of miracles. He just wants to keep you out of valuing heaven and eternity. And yeah, your outcome is okay, but I'm gonna change your outlook. What happens in the church today, here's what I believe happens. And so it really breaks my heart to say this. I think what happens in the church every single day, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, is that what's a true miracle has become mundane and monotonous. As simple as us devaluing in a moment in service where pastor's saying, hey, every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's anyone in here tonight who wants to receive Jesus, I just want you to slip up your hand. And in a moment of the greatest miracle of all time, people vanish to their car. Just vanish to their car. Because the enemy has twisted the church and he's got in the heart of the church to think that the outlook of heaven is so not that good. It's so not that real. I'm here to tell you tonight that you can wait three minutes for someone's eternity. And this might be a hard thing to say, but this is the greatest miracle of all time. If we could realize that when someone says, Jesus, I give my life to you, what was toward, headed towards hell is now in heaven forever, solidified in the Son of Jesus Christ, and that there is nothing that can change that. There is no greater miracle. Healings are good. Cancer is, cancer is bad. Sights being seen are good. But the greatest miracle is salvation. Come on, it's salvation. Hold on, man, one second, one second. Because I want you to think about this. 
If you want to know where your priorities are, I just need to hear your praise. Because when I think about heaven, what does heaven get the loudest about? has nothing to do with healings on this side of heaven and has everything to do when a lost person gets found. It says all of heaven rejoices when one person finds Jesus. The greatest miracle of all is when someone finds salvation. And I think this, I think this, I think there's so many times we're missing out on heaven's miracles is because we're not singing along with heaven's melodies. That heaven is singing the song of, oh my gosh, the lost person is found. But I would even think the same people who are leaving during the salvation call would never leave when someone received healing because that's what we value. But I'm here tonight, just, just really simple. I just wanna change our mentality. I wanna reprioritize what we see as a miracle. I believe that miracles happen in Africa. I believe that they can happen here in the States, but here's what's the best thing. No state, no nation will ever know the greatness of a salvation when someone here is dead in their sin, they're dead in transgressions, and in one moment, based on the sacrifice of Jesus, they are now alive in Christ. Van, I'm closing with this. This is my first close. And the reason I say that, this whole revelation that the greatest miracle of, of all time is salvation became more true this weekend than ever before. My uncle has had a disease for 10 years. My dad's younger brother, he's in his 40s. And this disease for 10 years has turned a 40-year-old man into a 90-year-old man with motor skills and he can't walk, he can't talk. He, he, it's really deteriorating his body. And he was going from hospice to hospice and ICU to ICU and he ended up in a hospice this, this weekend and this week. And my mom and I had a conversation about praying for his healing. And I, in a moment of us talking about praying for his healing, I said, mom, hold on one second. Before we talk about his earthly reality changing, where is his eternity? My uncle passed away this Thursday. But here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. If I had one prayer for my uncle, it had nothing to do with his disease and everything to do with where he lived his life forever in eternity with Jesus. And I think some of you are in here tonight and your prayers have just been about your earthly reality and your faith has just been about the circumstance you find on this side of heaven. That is not the greatest thing you will ever face in your life. The greatest thing that you'll ever face is when you're face to face with God and he asks the question of, did you know me? That's the greatest miracle. That's the greatest thing that we could ever pray for in our life, that we could ever receive, that we could ever witness. And I'm here to say that Celebration is a church that will value the thing of, of salvation. We will value when people go from death to life and the spiritual. We won't just value the things that we can see here on earth. We will value things so much more than what we can see but in the unseen. And I'm in here tonight to tell you that some of you need to receive it too. This miracle that I talk about is possible because of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, we sang it all night. He died, he gave up his throne, everything that he had for you. Like literally, for you. He said, I want people to experience the greatest miracle of all time. And if you don't believe me that it's the greatest miracle, why don't you ask people in the Old Testament? How great would it have been for them to just confess with their mouth and believe their heart, Jesus is Lord and it's changed forever.
forever. So if you're in here, every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, I even wanna say this, I'm gonna do two quick prayers. If you're in here tonight and you wanna receive this miracle, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, where it says the old is gone and the new has come, everything, your sins are, has, have been thrown away as far as the east is to the west, from sin to righteousness, if that's you tonight and you say, I wanna receive this miracle of Jesus and salvation, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Come on, amen, there's hands up everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. This is when heaven is the loudest. This is when heaven praises the most. This is when heaven gives their voice. This is heaven's touchdown. Think about it. This is when they cheer. And then there are some of you in here tonight, we're gonna go into this worship song, and, and what I really feel is that what we, has been a miracle throughout all of the gospel and all throughout Jesus and the Bible has become mundane. We forgot even what we received in Jesus and the miracle that we have. Maybe the miracles you're, you're looking for are found and lost in the, the revelation you have of your own salvation. When David got in trouble in the book of Psalm, he prayed one prayer, God restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's what I think needs to happen here tonight. The greatest miracle you will ever experience is salvation. And you need to remember what that's like. Remember what it's like to be depressed and headed towards hell and drinking every night and sleeping around. But now I'm alive in Christ and I have joy and goodness and peace. So we're gonna go into this worship song. And I just want every single one of us to turn what the church has made mundane and monotonous back to a miracle and say, God, this is the greatest miracle we will ever see, we will ever experience. So right now, come on, Sub 30, stand to your feet. Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you thank God for what he's done for you? Why don't you thank God for the cross and for salvation and everything that he's given you? He has held nothing back. Oh, 